Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Rob Weaver, Technical Editor-in-Chief. Today, I'm joined by Luke Marshall, our tech writer. Hi, Luke. Good morning, Rob. And Alex Evans, our senior technical editor. Hello, Alex. Hey, Rob. How's it going? All good, thanks, mate. Yeah. Uh, In this episode, we're going to be talking about the mountain bikes that we think will be updated in 2023, so this year. That's right. We have pulled our extensive knowledge and then done a lot of Googling to give you some idea of what we think will be coming to a bike shop near you in the not-too-distant future. But before all of that, guys, how are you doing and what have you been up to? Al? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks, Rob. Um, in the depths of Bike of the Year testing, like uh, you and fellow colleague Tom Marvin, um, a lot of uh, head-scratching, a lot of setting up, a lot of uh, note-taking, uh, shock fettling, fork twizzling, uh, frame measuring, and um, muddying. There's a lot of muddying going on. There's like multiple cleanups. Uh, I think I spent an hour and a half yesterday cleaning cleaning bike of the year bikes that um, I didn't didn't want to clean at the time. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's all all systems go. You make it sound like we're doing it properly as well, which is great. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I make it sound like we are. <laughs> yeah. And how about you, Luke? What have you been up to? Uh, I'm all good. I'm just picking up the rest of the slack that you guys are uh, are not dealing with these days. So no, flat iron. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, Making us sound bad now. <laughs> yeah, I do my best. Um, yeah. So in the <laughs> do, middle of do, uh, do your best to make us sound bad. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Um, in the middle of a, a helmets group test, so open face trail helmets, got a grips mini test on the go and doing a, a mullet bikes, long travel bike park bike test. So I got busy, all that busy. going on at the minute. So busy, busy. Yeah. Trying to yeah, get cracking on those bits. And like, your, Al, just, uh, just cleaning. Going? wild, Alex, wild. You should see them. I'm nearly off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> nearly, the wheels have nearly left the ground. And then he's back on the ground rather rapidly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In various shapes. <laughs> yeah. I, I told Alex before, like, bikes aren't built for going sideways. They roll best going forwards. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And side, side, uh, sideways is okay. I mean, it worked for some people, you know, Sam Hill, Sam Hill, sideways. Yeah, if you, know, you can do famous it, fair play. At Val de Sole, you know, that, that really worked out for him. <laughs> Burn. Sorry, Sam. Well, we'll wait and see. I mean, all, the rumours are that he is uh, back to to the downhill racing this year. So maybe he'll come and prove you wrong out. Maybe uh, he'll stay straighter, potentially. Maybe. <laughs> Straight knows? line. Straight's fast, though, isn't it? Straight is fast. They, they say that. We shall see. How yeah. about you, Weaves? What's, uh, what's going down with you? Well, as ever, lots of spreadsheets. But like I was saying, yeah, bike of the year, kicking off. So I spent a couple of days last week getting some of the bikes set up fiddling around with fork pressures, shock pressures, twiddling dials, all that sort of stuff. But luckily, the weather's been really good. So, I mean, I know we talked about this the weekend, Luke, but where we normally ride, it was pretty much dusty last week, which was amazing. And it's the sun's coming through the curtains this morning, and 
it's looking like it could be another great week. So I'm excited to get back out. I've got we've got a shoot this week, which is fine, but it does get in the way of uh, the proper testing. So a couple of more days, I think, this week, getting a few more bikes set up, and then um, probably quite a few trips to Bike Park Wells, I would think, on the cards. You can see me throwing my tail whips down there, Weaves. Exactly. I'm excited. I'll be I'll be stood at the side with my camera excited filming waiting for it to all uh, all go down you'll definitely catch some sort of footage that you could put on the internet that's good i mean brett reed has retired from competition so you know it filled a gap i'm sure that invites open to you for rampage and all the other slope style events that you always talk about that how desperate you are to attend and you know ride ride in them i was going to say race them you could potentially race them but <laughs> you might be the only one but uh there you go I think uh, the slope style world is your oyster by the sounds of things. Exactly. 2023 <laughs> is looking promising already. This is it. Shame you hate oysters, I suppose. You could uh, you could definitely cut your teeth on the, the Vantaline Lake at Bike yeah. Park Wales. Or smash yeah. them out. Yeah, or smash them clean <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End up looking like an angry pirate. Yeah. <laughs> We'd definitely be angry. If anyway, I went down Vantaline, anyway. I would be angry. Aside from um, our predictions about Luke's Slopestar career, I think we should probably move on to what we're actually here to do. And we need to remember that we are doing work, our jobs. So we should pr- probably do that. So let's start talking about what bikes we think are coming this year or that we might see this year. They might not necessarily be launched this year, potentially, but it might be that it's a 2024 model year, but they get launched in 23 so al do you want to kick us off with things yeah well go on then um i'll start us and you know i'm mr mr e-bike these days um you know it's for cheaters etc um so i'll jump right in with yt's decoy um this is their their only e-bike in the range um and it was first launched in 2019 so compared to some brands you know it's quite quite late to the e-bike party um, but when it was when it was launched, you know, it had like a mullet and a 29er option, um, and it was even pre pre Shimano EP8, so pre the the latest gen motor. Um, had a steps E8000, um, and then was later updated in 2021. Um, but the 2021 updates didn't really see any kind of significant changes to the frame, to the geometry, which is spec um, stuff. Was that right? Spec yeah, and motor exactly. change stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, kind of the unusual thing about the decoy, I think it was one of the first uh, e-bikes to have a um, a third-party battery installed on it. So it had Shimano's motor, um, but didn't have Shimano's 504 watt-hour battery. It had a 540 watt-hour battery um, that was made by by another company that YT fitted in there. Um, and you know, now kind of when, when you're looking at e-bikes, it seems like 700, so between 600 and 750 is like the, the new standard for e-bike batteries. So uh, YT have responded and, you know, they've brought out a 720 recently, which kind of gives a bit of a bulge on the down tube. Um, that's fully uh, interchangeable with all uh, medium and larger decoy models from when they were first launched. Um, the small bike can't fit it, unfortunately. Okay. Um so you're kind of stuck with a 540, but then smaller riders will be lighter, so you probably get decent range anyway from the 540. Um, but, you know, since the bike was last launched in 2019, we're now in 2023, that's four years ago. Um, and, you know, it's it's got some geometry kind of that looks, you know, starting to look a bit outdated, a 65 degree head angle that is adjustable down to 64 and a half. Um, but, you know, we're pretty confident that 
that it means you know four year product cycle. It's quite a long time. New model in the in the making, I'd say. Um, and I reckon that YT is going to kind of keep that 720 watt hour battery in there. You know, they've done the research, they've kind of done that iterative change, um, but they're going to update its geometry. I think that travel is going to remain pretty similar, and um, you know, bang for buck, I guess, which is what YT is famous for, um, is is going to be impressive. I think they're going to they're going to really go hard when this bike launches, um, which I suspect will be later this year or maybe even early 2024. Um, you know, and, so you, don't, and kind you don't think they're going to go down that canyon route with the 900 watt hour battery? Um, so I rode that canyon. Um, I had the the Spectral on, um, mm. and yes, you know, it does give you more power. And the Spectral on was impressively light for for what it is, but it wasn't a huge amount extra. Like you know, it wasn't like a crazy amount extra range over your standard 700 750 watt hour battery. So already having upped it to a 720, um, you know, I think that's a nice compromise between mm. weight, between range, power. Um, and, you know, let's not forget the reformed YT mob this year with uh, recent signing Jack Moyer, who actually moved from Canyon to YT, Casper uh, Woolley and Oisin O'Callaghan, uh, downhill rider. Um, you know, I think that YT are going to be going hard again and the the marketing machine is going to be picking up a gear and they're going to be going to be looking to launch new bikes, and this one must be at the top of their list. Ooh. You think we're going to see a new movie from them? No, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, some kind of crazy. I, I don't know what the, the the theme could be on the next one, but do you think they've put all their marketing budget into Jack Moyer's wages? Well, I don't know. So I, d- I don't know. Yeah, I mean, rumor mill has been rife that maybe Jack wasn't paid however how much he wanted to be at Canyon. Um, so maybe if he was and then moved to Whitey, he'd be paid even more. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much uh, how much these guys get paid. More than us, I'm sure. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Well, wait till my Slopestar career kicks off and then and then I tell yeah. you what my bonuses are, Al. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, please do. I mean, I'm sure, Al, don't worry, I'm sure we'll be fundamental parts of that with all our knowledge and tricks and stunts that we'll be able to, we'll be like Luke's coaches, like yeah, the Mr. Absolutely. Miyagi to yep. his Daniel son. And he can... <laughs> go and do all the flips and kicks and whoopsie doos and round the worlds or whatever they are and we'll we'll help him spend his bonuses so it'll be fine yeah do they still do they still jump people in like uh in tricks the last time i think my wheels left a grind because i was a kid trying to jump over my mates i think i assume that still goes on yes yeah yes, that's, I, that's I, I think that's, that's how you get a wage yeah definitely yeah, yeah. That's sweet. yeah. <laughs> they don't normally televise that bit because it's um dangerous too dangerous so, oh, okay yeah very, very dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think at the end you'll just see a running total of how many people they've let. <laughs> out, out of 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what they do on the on the TV, how many cool tricks or stunts they do. It's, yeah, if they can go off a one-brick ramp and clear, you know, 10-plus people, their quids in or dollars <laughs> in, you know. Anyway. A- any currency. Any Who knows? Anywhere. Anywhere around the world. It's, yeah. Famous Globetrotters. We should probably stop now because I'm sure people have switched <laughs> off. I'm, I'm starting to switch off and I'm talking. So, so Luke, you mentioned before we started, you've got a feeling that YT aren't just going to be doing the decoy, but something else too. Yeah, I've got a feeling that they might bring out or update their Jeffsy trail bike. So, again, that was uh, originally, again, their current model was released in 2019. Um 
YT at the time were quite forward thinking with that bike. So I know this one's in it's going into Tom's trail bike of the year test for twenty twenty three. And the mm. the geometry wise it's still it's still pretty much on trend, you know. It's got a seventy seven degree effective seat tube angle available in twenty nine and six fifty B wheels. I think maybe they would ditch the six fifty B in favour of a mullet if uh, they release a new bike or just keep twenty nine as solely. But yeah, again, it's a four-year product cycle, maybe due for an update. I think geometry probably won't change massively or intended use, a few revisions, but you might see some more frame tech. You know, you might get internal frame storage on it, better space for a water bottle because it's a trail bike and YT renowned for being a bit more aggro. So perhaps, you know, they're not all riding backpacks and things like that. So, But I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point along through the year we might get a, uh, a press release come out or news of potentially updating their uh, their Jeffsy trail bike as well. The Jeffsy's, it was an ace bike. It was really cool. Named after one of Steve Jones's mates from um, over in the Forest of Dean, sort of Monmouth Way. Um, Jeffsy, one of the local riders who's still riding around today on, uh, unsurprisingly, a Jeffsy. YT help him out with bikes, which is really cool. Um, yeah, like you said, it was, it was forward thinking at the time. I, I went on the launch for the first bike and it was really cool. Uh, and yeah, since then they have updated it and it is still, yeah, totally relevant. So it's no surprise to see it in Tom's test, which is cool. Yeah. And, and, and what, once again, you know, like that, that YT value, um, it's impressive. You know, I remember I, I, I reviewed the, the base model back in 2020 and I think I gave it, gave it four and a half stars. You know, it's a really, really great bike. It was like sub, sub 2000 pounds, mm. mega capable, great fun to ride. You know, it's, it was kind of almost like a almost straddled that trail slash enduro mark but was light enough for pedaling but had you know just enough go for the downhill stuff um so it will be interesting to see you know what they decide to do with it um and i think like Luke said down tube storage is probably going to be pretty high up on the list in terms of refinements and how um, do we all feel about that by the way how, how desperate is everyone to have a little cubby hole in their frame well i mean i, I eat a lot of baguettes so it's perfect um you know great great size great length um, perfect yeah baguettes burritos yeah anything that's kind of has that that sort of form you know i'm in i've only ever I do used have a burrito it. oh sorry i was going to say i do have a burrito story about frame storage from from one of the original enduros with a hole in the frame where i do forgot you forget yeah, I forgot it. it yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after about three weeks of that bike being packed away and being on like a demo fleet there was a smell <laughs> understandably half a burrito left in there from me <laughs> sorry specialized <laughs> I, I think like for, for me like the the magic recipe for the frame storage is the whole of the aperture the opening it needs to be big enough to not make it hard so, so you don't um, bend your baguette yeah exactly the baguette needs to remain uh, structurally structurally intact maybe that should be the test maybe that should be you have one of those like you know what do they call you lived in france for a long time what's is that a half size job? Is it? Yeah, the little one. Yeah. Okay. So you have to be able to get a baton in there without it like bending or snapping. Yeah. Yeah. Four. Yeah, that would be good. Um, so yeah, that that would be cool. I mean, you know, white. I think would that be the first YT with frame storage? My voice is going so. ever, ever more high pitched because <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, the Capri doesn't have it currently. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it would be it? nice to see a no. decent decent water bottle in there. Um, albeit, you know, YT do offer their own proprietary 
things. I think, you know, they're only like 500 and something mil or whatever. And, you know, we're thirstier than that. Yeah, even though we're surrounded by water constantly in our uh, drizzly climate, (laughs) we still drink a lot. I'm going to switch disciplines now and go down the Endura route. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the Ransom. Now, we've seen Scott who bought Bold. God, when did they buy Bold, Al? 2021? Yes. With a high-pitched voice again? Again, yeah. (laughs) So we've we've seen a lot of their recent bikes like the Spark, like the Genius, including um, you know the Integrated Shock, which Bold was obviously famed for. But as far as I'm aware, looking back, they haven't updated the Ransom since 2018. So it's still got you know the bike still runs on 29 inch wheels, but there's a flip chip, so you can change it and uh, stick a smaller back wheel in there. It's got 170 mil both ends, so. In, in terms of travel compared to, I guess, its counterparts right now, it's still fairly up to date. I would say maybe the geometry is a touch more conservative with a relatively slack seat angle compared to most now. But the fact that it has the twin lock system means that that slacker seat angle is less of an issue because you can just firm up the bike. So who knows? But I would hazard a guess that potentially it will sort of follow suit from the Genius, which was updated, uh, what, 2022, end of the year, and possibly have a hidden shock in there somewhere. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Because Bold's Bold's, uh, most recent unplugged bike launched um, the the other day, didn't it? Yeah. Um, And didn't they move the shock orientation from vertical to horizontal or horizontal to vertical, one or the other? Yes, yes. I can't remember which way around, but they did, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's kind of a, a precursor to the ransom, um, and I guess maybe when the um, the human powered ransom gets updated, the e bike version will also. Given that it's basically the same platform mm. um, and has been around for you know uh, slightly less time, but you know it, it's looking a bit long in the tooth now, um, especially always, compared to the other ones. Yeah, it must be hard for for brands like Scott that have such a massive range. And, you know, if they are then still working on similar product cycles to everyone else, that, yeah, you know, those engineers are, are going to be flat out pretty much constantly, aren't they? Yeah, earning their money. That's why uh, they get paid the big bucks. <laughs> Unlike us, we've just been dossing. <laughs> Trying to wedge baguettes in frames. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. It's a technical oh, test. God, but yeah. no, I must say the Ransom will be one of the uh, one of the bikes I'd like to see this year. It, uh, I had yeah, one a few years ago. For that, you? Yeah. I, did, I had a few years ago. I had it as my long term bike, and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it would be interesting to see how they update it with hopefully integrating the frame, like the shock into the frame and bits and pieces following their uh, their genius this year. It would be a, yeah, a cool bike to see when they really release that. Maybe nice. even get rid of the twin lock. Oops, sorry, did I just say that? Or, or maybe it would just. I be don't mind the twin lock. The it was good. Yeah, Luke's a big fan of that. Like right, I've, I this well, year, I. I've got a Canyon Strive this year, and I like the uh, shapeshifter. It's a it does a similar sort of thing, like you know, firms yeah, up yeah, end. I rode it. I rode that again uh, last week, in fact, because I have the same bike loop for bike of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, the the shapeshifter is good. Yeah, yeah. Twin lock was fine. I took it off the forks. I just wanted normal forks. I didn't want those to lock out. But um, 
I'm yeah, picking and oh. choosing now, are you? Yeah, I love twin lock. Yeah, just not the front. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you like single lock then, not twin it's lock. So you can pump, you can exactly. pump the slope style features. That's right. Yeah. More efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't mind those little gadgets on the rear shop that firm up for pedaling. Lots a gadget. Anything that can get me up the hill a bit easier out, basically. It's, yeah, fair well, enough. While we're on, there, here we go. Here's a segue. Speaking of getting up hills easier, Alex, oh. tell us about another e-bike you think oh, might be coming. Yeah. Do you see what I did there? Oh, that was genius. Uh, that's why Smash you painful. are the uh, technical, <laughs> editor, technical editor-in-chief, or if Tom was here, senior technical editor-in-chief. Cause I you're think the... that's an age thing. He always picks on me because <laughs> I look old and I am older than everyone else. So It's not yeah. senior in job titles, just senior in... Uh... Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> he has his moments and occasionally he wets himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tom, so polite. Cool. Okay, back, so back the, to work, Al. Back yeah. To work, oh, yeah. The right. work. That's right. Yeah, work. Sorry, I forgot about that again. Um, so th- this one's an interesting one, and um, I- I'm going to start by saying um, I-, I like its counterpart very much. And you know, just to keep keep guessing a bit longer, it's a five, almost a five star review. Um, I think I docked 7, it. Five. Yeah, I think I think I docked it half a star for for the uh, rather obscene cost. Um, and th- this was specialized turbo Levo. So the the full the full power version with a seven hundred watt hour version uh, back, ugh, seven hundred watt hour battery and uh, ninety newton meters of torque motor, um, but we're talking about the Levo SL. So this came out in early twenty twenty originally. So it's one hundred and fifty mil travel, uh, lightweight e bike. Um, pretty sure it was thirty five newton meters of torque to begin yep. with, um, and I want to say a three sixty watt hour battery something along those lines um maybe a bit less might um, be even less than that yeah I, I, I didn't i didn't maybe. even write that down yeah <laughs> didn't even write it down no i didn't even write it down when oh. i was doing my when i was doing my notes um I, I definitely looked i definitely checked but didn't write it down so a, anyway you know it, it's like a, a lightweight e-bike it was around 18 kilos was kind of the the headline claimed weight um and it you know it, it was an impressive bit of kit i think it was it was actually um the first proper lightweight e-bike to come out from from any brand um and it had quite a following you know i i I mean i think i think hang on the voice the voice voice pitch wasn't high enough i think it was the first lightweight e-bike to come out from any brand um you know regardless even if it wasn't it was definitely one of the the biggest uh, splashes you know it it made the, the biggest waves in the industry in terms of what it was trying to do um and it had a massive cult following you know it was it was it was really quite impressive but you look back now and um, c- compared to kind of, you know, a recent cohort of, of bikes that have come out like Trex EXE, uh, the Transition Relay, the Pivot Shuttle SL, um, and even specialized own Kinevo SL um, in terms of geometry uh, and, and what it can do. You know, the, the, the Levo SL is looking kind of a bit long in the tooth with the head angle, with the geometry. Even um, compared to the likes of Orbea. And yeah. um, the new high bike as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot those two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so isn't the to me the geometry the the current Levo SL is the only bike in specialized range that hasn't been updated to their S sizing system? It still uses small, medium, large. It's not. Yes. It's not well. like very, uh, very astute observation of you there, Luke. I, I hadn't actually spotted that. But yeah, now you say it. Yeah, totally. Um, and, um, you know, with the 35 newton meters of torque. Um, it's kind of looking a bit down against TQ's 50, which is on the Trek EXE, 
uh, Fazua's Ride 60 that obviously has 60 newton meters. So where are we going with this? Well, I don't know, it kind of seems a bit obvious really. I think that Specialized are going to up-talk and they're going to make the geometry um, more adjustable, kind of treading in the in the footsteps of the Turbo Levo. Um, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense really. Um, it, it seems like a pretty logical thing to do and... Not sure when this bike is going to be released. You know, I think that you know, Specialized have been um, not slow, but you know, they're definitely careful with their bike launches. They take a bit of time. Um, could be later this year. Could be next year. Not sure. Um, I think it's probably going to keep the 150 mil travel. Uh, I don't think that that's an issue. You look at like the Stump Jumper Evo, 150 mil travel at the back seems to be fine. You know, there's people absolutely shredding, shredding on that. Um, Yannick, Yannick Pontel from the Enduro World Series, uh, sorry, EDRE, now it's called. Uh, he rides the Turbo Levo, which also has 150 mil on the back. It doesn't seem to struggle. He actually won won the series um, on that bike. Um, so it's kind of an exciting model. I think it's an exciting model. Um, I think it would be, you know, it'd be a really interesting one. Exciting part of the, um, the, the market at the, at the minute, I would say as well. Lots seems to be sort of, or especially towards the end of last year, lots of stuff coming out around that sort of um, lighter weight, not necessarily um, featherweight, but lighter than a regular e-bike, slightly lower power, slightly lower torque, but you kind of get the, I suppose, more of the feel from a regular trail or enduro bike on the descents, which is something that maybe the bigger bikes potentially lack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely worth mentioning Forestal as well. Oh yeah. Um, totally, totally forgot them as a brand. Um, you know, who have who kind of have, have done this from day one, you know, they only have the the lower powered um style bikes. Um, you know, so that it like you say, it's definitely a growing market. And, you know, out on the trails you, you do actually see quite quite a mix now um of people. You know, there's a lot of full fat e bikes, but there's also a couple of mates in that group who will be riding, you know, the the, the lower powered ones and you know, it seems to be like there's a good a good mix. Um, it's you know, it's quite cool. It's potentially that that sort of bike that bridges the gap, maybe between regular and you know full on e bike. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And if if maybe you can only afford one bike, then you know to use mm. the the cliche that this could potentially be the best of both worlds. Oh, oh, right. Well, yeah. I'm going to stick with Specialized because. Um, their enduro hasn't been updated since 2019. So, um, yeah, it's a while. Uh, and, and when they did that, you know, the the suspension layout changed quite significantly. Um, it's still currently offered as a full 29er with, like the Ransom, in fact, 170 mil front and rear. Um, it has a swap box, so that frame storage. But the geometry adjustment's pretty limited. So a little bit like uh, what we are saying with the Levo SL, although it already comes in the S size range, um, it doesn't have all the adjustment that, say, the Kinevo SL does, um, or the Stumpy Evo, or, you know, Levo S, uh, sorry, the Levo. So maybe it's, um, maybe it's time that that bike gets a little bit of a, a polish and a, and a switch around. And I mean, they tend to use their downhill bike, the demo as inspiration for a lot of stuff at Specialized when it comes to the longer travel stuff. And we know, well, we've seen, and this almost, you know, brings me on to another one. We've seen Finale's racing 
a prototype um, downhill bike with uh, some kind of shrouding around the linkage system and the shock. So we don't know exactly what it looks like, but it looks like it's got, you know, um, lugs and potentially carbon tubes. Yeah, that was the big rumor, wasn't it? That there was it was yeah. going to like a 3D printed style um, style thing. So, uh, uh, but it still looks like it uses a traditional chain line. So it isn't, by the, from the pictures I've seen, I haven't seen an idler on there. So whether we'll see that rolled out on the DH circuit later this year in June when the World Cup downhill kicks off, who knows? Whether that is going to create some kind of inspiration or there's already been changes on the Enduro, who knows? But again, for Specialized to leave a bike that long, so four years now, it's quite unusual. So I would hazard a guess that we might see something in the not too distant future. Um, I've got one of the Enduros in my bike of the year test and aside from the spec changes it's pretty much the same as the bike i had in the last uh last time i did or last time we were able to get a specialized enduro in the test which was about three years ago so i, I think it'd be fair to say it still holds its own though like i mean you look at like the the specialized enduro uh, race team uh, charlie murray specifically you know he's he's been riding the enduro still and oh, not yeah. struggling at all I mean, the geometry when it came out, I think was really um, ahead of a lot of other brands. Uh, and and it's that's obviously the direction we've seen everyone sort of go to catch up. And even now, their reach numbers and stuff on sizes like medium, for example, is still a good chunk longer than elsewhere. We, you know, other mainstream brands and it's slacker. It's a reasonably steep seat angle. And it's a, you know, it's a proper big travel bike that you can ride really fast. Um, so well, yeah, that you can ride really fast. I mean, well, that's not true. <laughs> but, and um, Luke can case some jumps on with all that, all that rear suspension. <laughs> you got to do jumps to case them, Al. <laughs> I, can, I can proudly claim I've never cased a jump in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see what I mean? Like it's, it's that. Well, like you were saying, it, it almost could just continue to hold its own and almost doesn't need updating. But you'd imagine that being the brand that they are, they will keep pushing, trying to innovate, trying to, you know, change things, optimize things. So there, there's a good chance that we'll see some kind of refinement in the next year or so, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a great bike already. I mean, the BB needs to be a bit lower. Good head. Say, wasn't that your your main your main kind of thing about it? Wasn't it when you tested it last time? Was the uh, the bottom yeah. bracket a bit high? Especially when you ride that canyon now. Whew, yeah, that thing is low, isn't it? The canyon, yeah, super low. It's good, isn't it? That one. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, yeah, so stable, yeah. like slippery train. You're just confident on it. Exactly. And then you just whack your pedals off something and it bounces you off. But then like, the next bit of trails all right after that again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, Luke and I are obviously waiting for uh, the consultancy fee to come through from Specialized, and we'll, we'll sort them right out. We know exactly what they need to do. But yeah, check checks in the post I had. Who knows? Hopefully, I need a new car, so that would be great. Um, Luke, what what other new bikes do you reckon we're going to see this year? Um, so if we just stick to the enduro uh, discipline for the minute, I think. There might be a new GT Force that might come out or an update to it. Now, this seems a bit odd considering they only updated the GT Force in like 2021, where they added the mm. chain idler to it. 
Yeah, so they upped the pivot height, didn't they? Yeah, so they moved the pivot height. Um, the main pivot. Yeah. They, uh, so it's kind of a, a mid-high pivot, as such as uh, Al might call it. Perfect. Perfect, they're good. <laughs> Got my gold star for that. And, uh, and yeah, and add a chain, add a chain idler to it um, to, yeah, kind of minimise the pedal kickback with the uh, rear axle length extender, not the rear axle length, but the rear centre length extender. Yeah, explain it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no one's their rear axles getting longer. The extendable rear axle. Oh, those things are <laughs> That's a pegs. I see you can Try- do grinds in it. <laughs> Trying to get through those little gaps. Oh, it's extended again. Oh, he's he's stuck. <laughs> exactly. Stuck. Yeah. So, um, but if anyone's uh, been eagle-eyed on Instagram and follows like Ethan Craker, Win Masters, so two riders for GT Factory Racing, they've been like razzing around on on a new bike that doesn't have this chain line. So it's gone back to a traditional um, chain ring drive chain setup as such. Really? So what, I haven't yeah. spotted this. So that's, that's interesting. So, yeah. So if you go look at those guys playing around doing their, uh, their jibs is where I get a lot of my inspiration from, for my riding, you know? Yeah. And, and also, uh, uh, we, we haven't, we're not aware of this because Luke didn't share his notes before the podcast. So, <laughs> so we didn't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's news to us. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I'm Luke's just crystal that balls that, working but, overtime. Yeah. That yeah. potentially, even though it was, uh, updated just uh, a couple of years ago, it, um, there might be, uh, we might see a new GT4 set this year that reverts back to a more traditional drive chain. It was quite, a, it, so I rode it a lot. Um, was it last year or maybe the year before? I can't remember, but I rode it quite a lot against, uh, the Jekyll. So Cannondale's Jekyll and designed by the same engineer, uh, both had that sort of mid high pivot design, but both feel really quite different on the trail. The force is one of those bikes where you can properly just drop your heels and it just swallows up bumps. Whereas the, the Cannondale gives a bit more feedback a bit more support and a bit more feedback in general, I'd say. But in, say, the easiest gears, when you're really winching up something steep, the force maybe had what felt like, I didn't measure it, but what felt like more drag wasn't as easy to ride up steeper hills. So whether that's played in, you know, because Cannondale have um, a slightly different corrected um, chain line in comparison. So it's slightly different. Com- whereas the force is, uh, you know, more, more like a standard thing. So you can just chuck in a standard wheel, rear wheel. You don't have to um, get one specially built. So, yeah, I mean, potentially, maybe that's some inspiration for them. Who knows? It's, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't know, I kind of like chatting to friends and stuff and like we're like, oh, yeah, high pivot bikes are sick, like, thinking about back to like Balfour BB7 days and mm. Empire AP1 and all those kind of bikes when the high pivots were mega high like proper mega high pivots and you know we have all gone to like this as as Luke said that I would say um, which I'm going to say the mid 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 pivot basically they're not crazy high and you look at an axle an unmagnified axle path um it's super boring super geeky but the the rearward portion of it isn't huge um anyway the long story the short story is that you know me and my mates were all chatting and we're like well I wonder if like damper and shock performance um, actually provides way more benefits than just going to uh, a mid a mid mid high pivot, um, and I wonder if that's kind of what GT are thinking that you know maybe they focus more on damper tune, shock performance, 
um, frame alignment, you know, just like really kind of refining what they've got rather than just having some sort of default solution of, okay, high pivot equals better. Um, whereas if you haven't got any of those other things, right, which I'm sure they are also concentrating on, um, you know, kind of negates the negates the performance increase of a of a high pivot bike. Um, and and wonder, it needs you know, to be it needs to work as a sort of not necessarily an all rounder, but there has to be you know an element of efficiency when you're pedaling uphill. It has to be there still needs to be some sort of support and um, sprightliness to it when you're racing on a maybe a flatter track. So maybe yeah. maybe they felt that those benefits didn't necessarily um, weren't as magnified maybe as they possibly could have been. I mean, I think it's anyone that's watched that recent um, Santa Cruz video where they're going through the eight iterations of the V10, which is obviously another bike we're going to see, but everyone already knows about that, where Minar was testing um, two different mules, one of which had a high pivot. Right. And um, I don't know if you've seen it, but in the feedback, I mean, obviously, there's you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because they're not bringing out a high pivot bike by the looks of it. Um, so he was quite vocal in saying, no, he felt like it worked well in certain situations, but he felt more fatigued riding it for whatever reason. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you are, from what we've all seen, they, it looks like they're just going with a modified version of the VPP that they've been using for the last well, seven generations Ever. of that bike. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> So yeah, maybe, maybe well, and we've seen um, Common Cell shift their design, yeah, not necessarily six, six completely bar. away from it, yeah, but to a six bar. So there's certainly some changes afoot, and whether we'll continue to see that, could you say old, more old school, high, high, high pivot? Yeah, I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah, but me now, we uh, we recorded a podcast where we said we probably wouldn't choose a high pivot bike. Oh, well, there you go. We just, I should. Yeah, everyone just needs to go listen to that then. Yeah. Did, did, did we say that or did we say we'd choose high pivot bikes? I can't remember. Probably a bit. No, nah, I, I think we said we would. <laughs> I think uh, I think Tomas would say, would you have one or not? And we probably said no. Like the yeah. performance benefit of it isn't doesn't outweigh some of the negatives. So. Yeah. Well, e even if we didn't Maybe say that, Maybe GT right listened now. to that and that's why they've changed it. Well, could be. Wait potentially changed it. Oh, wait and see. They, they could just be riding a completely different bike. There's not. A, could just be on a really razzed sensor or something. But speaking of GT, I've done it again. Speaking of GT, haven't they got Wait. a new downhill bike too? Yes, they have. Yes, they do. I'll answer that question for you. <laughs> yes, because I wrote the notes on it. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the last time we saw the Fury updated was 2018. So we're five same years as, in Same now. as the Ransom. It's the same, same time. There you go. Um, and last year we saw when um, Jess Blewett, Ethan, all racing on an updated um, Fury, which still looks to have a carbon frame. Um, but this time, the uh, it looks like the, the rocker link penetrates through a gap in the seat tube, which drives the shock. So it's a bit different in terms of layout. Still uses that sort of mid-high pivot, as the other one did. But it'll be interesting to see how they work around the sizes, because last time it was only available in small to large. So, um, well, Al, you spent a good amount of time with Wynn. He isn't exactly... Uh, no, he's a big guy. Short, yeah, he's a, he's a big old unit. So um, whether 
there'll be an even bigger bike or just updated bigger geometry to suit a fella like him maybe yeah who knows but it seems to be working for those guys with some solid results last year yeah absolutely Ethan even breaking into the top 10 which was cool yeah not not bad for what he was 19 last year I think yeah so and it's it's worth saying that that's still a a mid a mid pivot bike isn't it it is yeah 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 what's more worrying is Luke and I were teammates with his dad with Ethan's dad so <laughs> that'll be why that'll be why we're I'm the senior in Tom's yeah. senior technical editor in chief. Yeah. Really old. Nearly dead. So hey. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh no. Al, have you got any any others up your sleeves that we need to know about? Yeah, well so like I mean we, you know, we had quite a few quite a few bikes on our list and um I just said, do you know what? I'm not gonna do one from our list. I'm just gonna make one up this morning. Um, and it was actually quite an interesting one because focus. Is it no, no, no. This no, is actually a real bike. Okay. Yeah, I promise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's an interesting brand. Focus. They're you know a German brand, and they sponsor um, Ollie Wilkins and and Ben Deakin. You know, both pretty popular riders. Ollie, um, insanely talented on a bike. Um, and and they're, Ben. They're, and Ben. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> sorry, I mean, I, I know Ben really well, so I, sorry, I could be please. a little bit a little bit ruder about Ben. <laughs> um, I don't, don't know Ollie so well. Um, no, Ben, you're you're a lovely guy. We we and an amazing bike rider too. Very good at manualing. Um, much much better than me, I will say. <laughs> so Focus went on a bit of a rampage, uh, updating updating their their range, um, and the most notable omission from that was the the Sam squared, um, or Sam two. I don't know. I think it's the squared. I think squared. is what they call squared. Yeah, yeah. Call their e bikes. Um, and this one hasn't been updated since 2020. It's got the current model has Bosch's older uh, 65 watt hour non-smart system, um, you know, motor and battery, all the rest of it. No Bluetooth. Um, geometry 65 degree head angle uh, with a 170 mil travel bike. You know, it doesn't quite doesn't quite tally up anymore. Um, you'd expect that to be much slacker with that amount of travel on there. It is aimed at an enduro bike. Um, and they've also got rid of the SAM out of their, um, you know, normal pedal bike range. Um, so, you know, I don't know whether that means that something's in the works behind the scenes to kind of update it, same as the the Jam and the Jam Squared, and also the Jam Squared SL, which is one of their most recent uh, recent additions, which has the Fazura Ride 60 motor, like a lot of bikes on the market now, SL bikes. Um, and it just feels to me like, you know, Focus are a massive brand, really popular in Europe, getting more popular in the UK. Um you know, this is a bike that's almost certainly due an update soon. That'd be cool. Yeah, that should be good. Um, Definitely, because I, I think Luke's actually ridden quite a few of the the, the jams and the. I have. Uh, I've ridden. Squared. I've ridden the, the Sam jams. squared and the Jam squared. The, the, the old Sam squared. That was a, a hell of a tank. That was a beast of a bike. You could go super fast on it, and then you just overshoot the corners. Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot of time that I spent in the undergrowth just trying to drag that bike out. Cause, but it's like the suspension was really planted, really active, like great at just bashing over any terrain. And you you go, oh, God, this, yes, it's good. It's good. I'm going, I'm going. And then you just can't make the corner afterwards. You're like, I've just carried on. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, those bikes in the Samsung, they're quite industrial and they're, they're, they're burly bikes. But um, but the rear suspension works super well, like really good. Just need to um. Coil shock on that one you had. Oh, uh, on the 
Sam squared, I think it probably was, yeah. yeah I think he did yeah. have a coil shock on that one. The trail bike, the, the e-trail bike, the jam squared is, is air shock, but, um, okay. yeah, coil shock on the, on the Sam one. But yeah, it would be good to, good to, uh, see that, get an update. And, um, yeah, really capable of a rough ground. Just, you know, learn to slow down a bit sooner. Yeah. And nice. I, I do wonder as well if they'll go for, go for an SL range in there as well. You know, if they'll go for the, the super long travel, like the, cause the specialized Kinevo SL doesn't, I mean, it's, it's starting to get some competitors like Transitions uh, Relay now, mm. uh, which is long travel. But, you know, as a long travel SL e-bike, there, there aren't a huge number of those out there. So, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there for Focus to to offer a full power and an SL version of their their Sam Squared. Um, you know, it could be could be interesting. I mean, that Kinevo SL is amazing. But the, the, the biggest problem with that is sort of what we were alluding to earlier, the the power from the you know the lack of torque and uh the you know the smaller battery capacity so you kind of ride I, I think most of the people i know that have them tend to ride with people that have either the same bike or uh just regular bikes not e-bikes at all um so yeah i think there's there's tons of scope with those bikes um and it would be really interesting to see what the likes of trek you're going to do so you know they brought out the fuel exe ahead of the fuel ex which was totally revamped you know that bike went being from i don't know how you describe it maybe a more sort of middle of the road trail bike to yeah. a way burlier bike that's almost almost touching on the fringes of an enduro bike you know super capable feels taut stiff um pretty burly for what it is you know the travel's it's still, you know, short on travel compared to a proper enduro bike, but it felt really capable. But you do wonder then, okay, so does that mean there's something that they're going to do with a slash? Are we going to see new slashes coming out in the not too distant future? Could we even see an e version of that? Although I don't know what do you call that, a slashy. Uh, Slashy. Uh, slashy. <laughs> slashy. <laughs> that that so- sounds like something that, that Cade, Cade Edwards do on his uh, Surin, Saron, however you say it. Oh, yeah. Slash, slashing the E's. Slashy. It sounds a bit like slashy. Maybe you, maybe, or maybe there's a copyright infringement there waiting to happen. Probably. Who knows? Oh, Who I, th- knows? I think I can hear the lawyers knocking at the door actually oh. right now. Luke, what, what's your thoughts on other trail bikes we might see? So potentially, I think... Behind the scenes, Nuproof are working on a new reactor, perhaps. Okay. So that was released in like 2019. It's kind of the brand's aggressive trail bike. Yeah. And I know from things that you and Tom have said that perhaps it's a bit too aggressive and it uh, kind of treads on the toes a little bit of their mega. Mm. So perhaps uh, I think for such a, a 130 travel bike, it comes with like Fox 36 forks on some models. It comes with the Lyric on others. Um, if you go further down the line, it comes with like a Pike, which uh, you might expect it to uh, to feature being like a, a, a trail bike, have a lighter weight fork in it. So, so potentially they're, they're behind the scenes. That might be a brand. I don't know if we see something this year or next year, but I think that's probably a, a trail bike that's uh, looking for renewal. I mean, like the, the seat tube or the effective seat tube angle on that was like 75 degrees. So it's, it's a little bit slack now compared to most modern bikes of that ilk. So I wouldn't be surprised if geometry gets a bit of an overhaul as well. And then it tries to really find its feet in the, in the trail bike segment rather than being a bit of a, a bit lost on where it's supposed to place. Yeah. yeah. It, 
It's, okay. It was an interesting one, right? I, I remember I went on the, the launch of that to, um, I think it was Andalo in, in Italy, um, in the Alps and uh, uh, Dolomites, sorry, not the Alps. And um, yeah, we were riding this on like proper gnarly trails um, and it was totally holding its own, um, you know, really quite, quite impressive performance in terms of descending for the amount of travel that it had, which does pose the problem of, well, how does it sit with the Mega? And the Mega is a great bike. And, and extremely versatile so i was going to say they also have the st version but it's only has you know five mil less travel at the back it comes with a 34 i think on the front and compared to you know i guess that's their version of a down country bike or however you want to term it but compared to its closest competitors it's still quite a chunky unit you know it wasn't ever that sprightly uphill and it was better than most downhill but you never felt like you kind of had that um maybe the efficiency you'd want from that you wouldn't really want to take it racing cross country like you could something like the epic evo or the transition spur so i suppose yeah there's a there's a lot going on with that bike well there's a lot of potential you know do they make it more middle of the road trail do they go all the way down country and make it much lighter get rid of one of those you know the chainstay pivot stick a flex pivot in there possibly i suppose uh yeah we'll have to wait and see but yeah good shout luke is is uh is, is that it or have we got any more i've i've got well on that same subject nuke proof um have had uh, the yeah. descent and uh the new descent being ridden by ronan dunn the, and that in the crazy video of him riding in the wet um, yeah, I mean the the guy is uh, very talented on a bike, incredibly yeah. talented. He certainly doesn't slow down when it's damp, does he? No, or, or for anything, or for uh, anything, just yeah. doesn't slow down. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he's been riding that bike. I'm not sure for how long. I'm not sure when he switched over to it. Whether he had it at the start of the year or he switched over maybe for Fort William, possibly because there was that weird. There was that weird gap last year, wasn't there? Because I think they raced Lords in March, I want to say end of March. And then they had a good few weeks off and then Fort William was in June. So maybe it was then. But that bike looks like it probably isn't that far off being launched. You know, if they, they were racing it and there was more of them out there around World Champs. So it was it was one of the bikes that helped inspire, originally helped inspire the Giga. And then I, I have a feeling that the things they've learned with a Giga will then help inspire the new generation of the Descent. So it's going to be cool to see what comes out. And I'm guessing for the downhill stuff, we'll probably start to see sort of flurries of that around May time, just yeah, ahead of the season, season kicking yeah. off. Yeah. But there are those test events. I don't know if you listen to the Downtime podcast with Chris Ball on there. Not they've yet, got, but it's on the list. Yeah. It's on yeah. The list. So, they, so they've got some test events coming up. So they can, you know, I suppose, start to get their ducks in a row when it comes to how they operate with the broadcast and all of that sort of stuff. And I would imagine they're going to be pushing to have some of the big dogs there. And, you know, Ronan did so well last year. I would guess him and and obviously now they've got Harry Malloy and Vera Widman looking after that team or Harry's kind of managing it for the most part, that Continental Nuke Proof team. I would imagine, you know, he's pretty on it when it comes to organization and preseason testing and all of that stuff. 
we're probably going to see quite a few big names out at those events. So I guess we need to keep our eyes peeled, but also it's going to be, you know, for everyone else, it's going to be a really good insight to, to what new kits come in. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, cool. I, I just wanted to throw a little curveball in. That, uh, this is an un- unplanned curveball, not on any notes. Oh, God. Um, I was just going to speculate about um, model years of, of bikes and stuff. Um, and, you know, I know there's kind of been a bit of talk of doom and gloom in the in the bike industry and stuff. And, you know, for maybe one part, that's kind of true. And for another, um, you know, less so, you know, the industry is very much doing doing really well still um, in terms of popularity, the number of people doing it. Um, and I, I just wonder if, if bike brands are going to move to like a, a sales system where they don't arbitrarily update their bikes every however many years. They just do it once, A, they're ready. Um, and and B that actually that they've sold out of all of the stock that they've ordered, um, and if a bike's proving to be popular, i.e. they keep selling out every order, they're going to keep that bike going for longer. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of wonder if if that's maybe where the industry's going. So you won't necessarily see updates every two years or three years or whatever it may be. You know, it, it's more just depending on the lifespan of that particular model of bike. Yeah, I reckon I, I would say that there's a lot of um, good things in that. And I think ditching the traditional model year makes a lot of sense uh, and potentially working with the component manufacturers and, you know, putting those updates in if and when there's, you know, good improvements in tech, yeah. potentially, that they need to then work a, a current frame around, whether that's changed something slightly to incorporate it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think we're necessarily going to be seeing, um, like you said, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing those constant changeovers that maybe we got used to in the past. I think stuff might sort of sit on the shelves a bit longer, potentially. There, there'll be a few running changes, but I can't see it being as it was. I think all the supply chain issues and, and things like that that we experienced through COVID will probably have some kind of knock-on effect with that. But um, I guess we'll wait and see. I think it's probably for the best. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it could be great for the secondhand market as well. You know, you buy a, you buy your bike or whatever, and after a couple of years, you know, you'd, you'd probably look at moving it on to buy the the newest model. But because the newest models come out, it devalues your your current one. But you know, maybe if they're moving to this kind of new thing where your model lasts for longer and, you know, you, you want to sell it because you want to try a different brand or whatever, you know, the, the value of your bike's maybe going to be going to be held held for a bit longer, um, which could, Absolutely. Be, could be quite cool. And I think as well, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I think um, if you were racing especially and you didn't maybe buy into some new tech or update your frame, stuff was moving on at such a pace where mechanically you almost been held back a little bit. Where, whereas now I don't think that is the case. I think you can ride a bike that's five years old and, and you you know it's not it isn't holding you back in any way. I think there's been there's a lot of progression over the last decade or so of incremental increases or incremental changes to geometry as such. You know, what I mean, it's it's always got half a degree slacker, ten mil longer, half to, and brands did that every few years when they updated their bikes. But I think geometry has come to a point now where it's much more. Well, not stagnant, but it's kind of settled in a, a decent position, whichever discipline of manager bike you're in. So Endura has kind of got its geometry boundaries and downhill does and and cross country and trail are kind of, of figuring theirs out. Cross country is probably the one that's 
changing most rapidly at the minute, if not I mean being updated, but gravity side of things, their geometries. So like you said, it's more possibly brands altering bikes just to fit new tech that gets developed, like you mentioned, rather than yeah. having every three years you need to buy a new bike because it's now outdated in geometry or the wheel size changed, for example. I think uh, I exactly. think those things are going to be, uh, there's not going to be so many dramatic changes in key performance factors or such like that, that it'd be smaller. Maybe lots of nice new colours. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a few little details that will improve, if you know what I mean, the way the brand's integrate bits and pieces but i think overall bike sizing and tech is probably slowing down a little bit in the development side there you go a surprise surprise bonus bonus thought for the day Boy, well that seems like a really good point for us to stop our ramblings and if anyone has managed to make it through all the way we massively appreciate your time and as ever if you think <laughs> we've missed anything out here do please let us know by emailing us at podcast at bikeradar.com And as ever, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave us a podcast review. Thank you for your time today, Luke. You're welcome. Cheers, Reeves. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, listeners. And we shall see you soon. Bye. Me. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 